Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to this very special episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Michael Jackson and Jordy Chandler of the Terrace get together. That's right, you are about to get a big pie of lower league football cream shoved right into your face because Sean and I will be examining one game from the Championship, another from League One and a final fixture from League Two in great detail as well as taking a general look at the three divisions. Now, this three-game roundup, this is patented. If you see or hear any other podcast adopting a similar format, please report them to Crime Stoppers because they are breaking the law. Sean and I have paperwork and it's intellectual property theft. Now we've got the housekeeping out of the way, let's check in on each other. Sean, how the H are you? No, so I'm, I'm, I'm very well. Other than the fact that I would like it to be warmer, I, I cannot complain whatsoever. I'm in, I'm in a good place. I Well, I am quite literally in a good place. I'm on my couch, I'm in a sleeping bag, the listeners can't see it, but you can, and uh, I put the radiator on as well, just as a treat, just as a, just as a wee treat for myself. I think that's, that's quite a sad... Uh, uh, Shows how how bad things are when turning the heating on is seen as a nice treat. It's a, a, a sad indictment of the of the Conservative government. Well, listen, I'm going to say though, I, I actually listened to a podcast with Keir Starmer earlier today. Uh, he just comes across as really boring, like a blancmange. It, uh, not that exciting. Um, trying to listen to like gruel, <laughs> a stamp. Hi, the the sort of thing that Charlie Bucket's mother fed him and the rest of the horrible grandparents. I remember actually reading something on Twitter about the. It was an idea about the Charlie Bucket's grandparents. You ever heard of a thing called a rat king before? Where, uh, I don't think so. It's a it's a phenomenon where, like, say a group of rats, if the if one of them falls into a rat trap and its tail gets covered in adhesive. Like it can stick to other rats and then all these rats are stuck together. Well, it's the idea that Charlie Bucket's grandparents are all stuck together. Their legs are all, they've been in that bed with each other so long that their beds, their legs are all entangled. And I can just imagine if Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory he be, had been directed by David Cronenberg, say, when Grandpa Joe tried to get out of the bed, he crawled out of it and the other three just came with him because their legs were all entangled together. It's quite a or, thought- e- 
or even worse, if uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Factory had been directed by Tom Six, and it would have been uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody like a human centipede. It's interesting though that like his his grandfather had had laid in that bed for years. Then he got that golden ticket, and suddenly he was up. Mm, he was up, whooping and hollering. I'd be very suspicious as well. Maybe that's something. Maybe that's something. The, the I'm actually pretty surprised you haven't done it already. The Conservative government could bring. <laughs> I was just about to say. I, I'm now starting to say like a Tory. That's <laughs> just something. It's just an observation. Don't hold it against me. It's just an observation. For 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 people that are out of work, trick them into giving them tickets to the Cadbury's factory, and if they arrive, then you can say, "Hmm, hmm what's going on here?" So it's, a, it's a horrendous idea, but maybe that's uh, what Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory is all about, isn't it? The, ultimately, the dangers of capitalism and greed. Uh, the, the the original challenge in the Chocolate Factory, the scene where they go through the tunnel, is, is very disturbing. I didn't like it at all when I was young. Oh, there's a, a chicken gets its head cut off and there's a, a centipede crawling over someone's face. Ah, it's like a big millipede, like a, a, a bigger one. I think it's more a millipede than a centipede. It's, a, it's a big heavy, uh, it has more legs. Right, of course, of course, a centipede has a hundred legs. A millipede has a million. A, that's a lot of legs. That is, I, I, I imagine being kicked to death by a centipede. <laughs> I, you'd have more chance of being kicked to death by a millipede. It's a frightening thought. It's a frightening thought. Maybe there's some part of a jungle somewhere where there are these like, like, like very, very large and very aggressive uh, centipedes or millipedes, even million-legged uh, guys the size of. Um, Subway tunnels just all come around just looking to kick someone in. It's a frightening thought, Sean. Now, before we get going, I know that these podcasts always kick off with us having a wee bit of a, a laugh and a joke and just, just catching up with each other and checking in, but I, I want to apologise to you, Sean, and I want to apologise to the listeners because I was doing the research for this podcast on Tuesday evening and I was watching Jeepers Creepers 3 and I'm ashamed to say I actually got caught up with the cut and thrust of the movie, so if my analysis and insight is not up to its usual standard... Uh, don't lay the blame with me, lay the blame with Jeepers Creepers 3. Not as bad as Jeepers Creepers Reborn, incidentally. I haven't seen Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Uh, I, I, yes, I, yes, it's it's dreadful. In what, in, what, in what way is it worse than Jeepers Creepers 3? So you know how like Jeepers Creepers 3 is, so yes, a bad film, mm-hmm. but there is an idea there that can't be made whole because there is no budget? Mm-hmm. Jeepers Creepers Reborn is like something that's been made by some students. Oh man, because Jeepers Creepers three looked really, really cheap. A lot of special yes. effects and CGI. Right, so there's there's lots of CGI in in Jeepers Creepers Reborn, but even when they're just outside, so like they're in a field, mm-hmm. but the field is CGI. Just Bloody just go and hell. just go and stand in a field. How how lazy do you have to be as a director to to not film in a field? Fields are everywhere. It's like, is it George Lucas directing this? It feels like a sort of prequel to the, the Star Wars franchise, you know, where, where it was literally all just filmed in big cavernous studios with, with blue and green screens and the special effects would be added in later. I, I don't think it was quite at that stature of, uh, of CGI, put it that way. No, honestly, it's really bad. Uh, and uh, whereas, like, even, even in the third one, the, the Creeper mm. looks okay. No, uh, it looks like the worst thing is it's like it's like a man in a mask. I know that's fundamentally what, what what it is, but it really looks like a man in a mask. Right, okay, but seeing Jeepers Keepers Reborn, 
it uh, looks like a it's just a guy very much in a suit, but but the suit doesn't even fit him. Oh dear, that's that's embarrassing. Can you just imagine being the actor turning up on on set every day and just just seeing this like squeezing yourself into this ill-fitting suit and a mask where the makeup has to be put on because it doesn't cover your face properly. That's, that's bad. That's, it's really bad. It's really that's bad. Embarrassing. Um, but uh, you know something when I watched the third film I thought that this villain the creeper really has got quite a lot of sass for effectively a supernatural goblin with a pimped up truck I thought that's he's got a bit too much to say for himself when he starts he starts doing hand gestures and, and so on to the to the various uh, victims of his crimes you just thought it's just a it's not really working for me here are, are you familiar with the first two? I have seen the first one. I actually think the first one's very good for about the first 45 minutes or so. Pretty much up until the you realise the creeper's got wings. Or actually, no, no, mm-hmm. no. When it moves away from the, the brother and sister, when, you, when they start bringing in additional characters, it gets, uh, it gets quite crap because they're, they're, they're really bad, those additional characters. The, the second film's mince. The second I, I, film's I thought the second one was okay. Uh, the, 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 the big issue I had with the third one was the fact that the truck seemed to, to be sentient. Uh, which was never suggested in Jeepers Keepers one or two. I mean, I mean, I, I had lots, I had, I had lots of issues with Jeepers Keepers three, but that was my biggest issue. It's like uh, if Herbie was a horror movie, <laughs> <laughs> but hadn't, be, but hadn't been uh, a horror movie or even an alive car for all of the Herbie films before that. It was just somebody driving a car. <laughs> Do you think? One day, Sean, perhaps you and I could sit down and we could write a film. You know, we're quite critical of, of, of a lot of the films we watch. I mean, I watched a, a terrible one last night on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was a, it was a, the setup was quite interesting. It's called Antrim, and the setup's quite interesting. It's the idea of a cursed film. And it starts off like it's like a documentary centered around the film, saying all these terrible things happened to the film. Now we're going to show you, it and it's full. And and when I watched it in film, I was just really, really annoyed by it. And it's I know it's a a ninety minute movie that's that's lodged right in the back of Amazon Prime somewhere. But even so, I I was frustrated, annoyed by this movie. Do you think though that that, that we could perhaps write a movie if we were to put our heads together? Do you think you and I could write a film together? Well, we could, but whether or not it would be any good or not, I I have my doubts. What 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 would you what do you want to write it about? What would it, uh, how about how about a sort of a Claudine Elka's time in charge of Wraith Rovers, a dramatization of that? Or we can make a remake of uh Wraith Rovers, which was the scam which Wraith Rovers were perpetuated in, where somebody made a, a film about a zombie apocalypse that involved Wraith Rovers and their players. Which never saw the light of day. I've, 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 I've literally never heard of this. What is, what is this? Uh, so Greg Spence was in it. Really? <laughs> I, I, I can't remember what happened. So it, it looked like it was some kind of tax scam. But basically, if you Google it, there, there's a few things online about the fact that it was made, but then just... So I believe there was a premiere. Mm-hmm. But I remember... Uh, I can't remember what the... I can't remember what the, the editor of the Fifty Press... What his name is. Alan somebody or other. Regardless... I remember him going to the premiere and then just writing a really scathing piece on it, like literally one of the worst things he's ever seen. But then it never saw the light of day. Uh, but I believe the director was was at it. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Have, have you ever seen Sex Lives of the Potato Men? I've, I've seen bits of it. How can you only see bits of it? Surely you go watch Sex Lives of the Potato Men, you take in the whole thing. You don't just pick and choose what parts of Sex Lives of the Potato Men you digest. Uh, well, well, you know, like, if you've, like, you know, if you've got like, Sky Movies and mm-hmm. you'll be flicking through and Sex Lives of the Potato Men might be on, so I might I might stop in it for, for a few seconds, realise that that's more than enough for me, and then go to another film. Whereas you, you you will not only... I, I would imagine you've probably seen it five times. Six. <laughs> I've seen six times of the Tail Men six times. The, the, the reason the reason that I bring up sexualized entertainment is because that was I think I think that was seen as a tax write off where this film was so bad. But you take up I don't know how the how the way these things work. You're you're given certain tax breaks to make this movie, and effectively you rush out this piece of shit, and then you can make your money back on it that way so that's what I think Sex Lives of Potato Man was and it sounds like this Wraith Rovers movie was similar there, there was a I believe there was a campaign or a, an opportunity shall we say by the director that if you paid money you could be a, an extra in it okay so I I, I I I think the director was at it put it that way and Greg Spence was in it was it a film about zombies uh, yes it's quite interesting. Greg Spence coming back from the dead to sign for Sterling Albion the other week. It's just a, just a, just just a wee joke there. Now, uh, speaking of jokes, that's the final joke that you'll hear in this podcast. There'll be no more laughter to be had because this is where we start actually talking about football. Genuinely, start talking about the football. Now, and we're going to be discussing sides that we haven't necessarily talked a lot about so far this season. I think that when you come onto this podcast, you know you're going to get Wraith Rovers. You know you're going to get Stenhouse Muir. We've spoken a lot about Queens Park and Falkirk and so on, but. We're not going to be discussing those teams. We are going to be trying something new. So a combination of newness and Jeepers Creepers 3, if anything we say is incorrect, that's your reason why. Now we'll start off, Sean, by going to the Championship where Hamilton Academicals recorded their first league win since mid-October with a narrow victory over Greenock Morton at New <coughs> Douglas Park. By all accounts, this was a dreadful, dreadful game of football. Low in incident, low in quality. And Andy Winter's first half penalty was enough to win the match. The Ackies are still rooted to the foot of the table, but they have nudged a little bit closer to our broth. And Morton find themselves in a bit of a slump at the moment. They've only taken two points from the last four matches, and that's them falling out of the promotion playoff places. Sean, talk me through this one. I know we I know we, we say this a few times because it's sometimes quite hard to remember what A ideas make and don't make it onto the TV show and then 
what does make it what we film, but then doesn't quite make the final cut. Mm. But am I right saying that somebody said that Morton would be a good bit cl- by the time we came back as a TV show in February, Morton would be clear at the top of the championship. Someone might have said that. Yes, I. Was I, it you? I, no, no, it definitely wasn't me. I I thought it was a terrible take, and I'm I'm not surprised that they are starting to perhaps regress slightly. I, that's interesting, Sean, because I thought that the last <clears> time we spoke about Morton, in fact, I think it might have been myself, uh, you and Fowler that, that were on, we did Morton Ray Throne, so we, we suppose we have talking about Morton, so we might as well start with them. And I think it was the idea that there was only a handful of players in that team, there were about 13, 14 players in that team that Dougie Emery really trusted. So that's why you're seeing the same, pl- the same 11, the same players coming off the bench, the same players staying on the bench. And once he was able to bring in his own players... Morton would be in a better position to, to, to challenge and he's done that I actually think opp- but I actually think opposite has happened as in he has he's started to make signings and I would imagine I would imagine don't get me wrong like so, so maybe they won't make any more signings between now and, and the end of the window however they have that game against Celtic that's coming up this weekend mm-hmm. which has presumably allowed them to bring in a couple of bodies. They've, they've brought in Calvin Miller, who has been okay at this level previously. I am surprised that they've brought in Ali Roy. Mm. I, I am very surprised that Ali Roy was uh, able to to get another stint uh, in the championship. So you, you now look at the bodies that they've brought in and it's given them options. But I'm not entirely sure those options are making that, that start in 11 like, better. So, so em- Emery has, has, if there's been any criticism from Morton fans when it comes to Duke Emery, and there hasn't been too much, it's that the the substitutions have been pretty much the same yeah. every week. And now there are a couple of more options, but whether that's necessarily making that that, that 11 better, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. And certainly based on the, uh, the example of this defeat to, to Hamilton, very much not the case. Yes, they put Hamilton under pressure uh, more so towards the the end of the second half, and and maybe if you were if you were that way inclined, you could argue that that Morton maybe deserved the point. Uh, however, I, I thought they looked poor, and um, I, again, unless they can, I still think unless they can strengthen, and I don't just mean add to the squad. I mean literally bring in players who will improve that starting eleven. I I think Morton would. I still think they might be the team to to miss out on on that top four. I I think it was quite a difficult game. In the highlights, I think you you made the. I don't want to steal your joke, Sean, but we were when we were in in contact with one another beforehand. You said this game looked like it had been filmed in a kaleidoscope. <laughs> <laughs> because it was absolutely the, the conditions at New Douglas Park were absolutely horrendous it was very very rainy very very windy and when I was watching it I just imagined like Grant Gillespie's wig blown off I don't know why I was just thinking about the linesman running the, running the line you think that's why he got sent off do you think he was just do you think he started that game in a, a, a sense of high anxiety and that's why he couldn't control himself. He was he was desperate to get out of the the rain, <laughs> the wind. He knew that the glue that was holding his syrup of fig on only had a a, a shelf life of about eight hours. He needed to get out of there pronto, and he that was why he put in that dreadful tackle to get his second yellow. He needed to get out of dodge to protect his dignity. 
Have you ever seen the video of the guy being interviewed and the one day he gets hit in the face with a Greg's bag? That's just, <laughs> just what I imagine someone getting hit in the face with Greg Gillespie's wig would look like. <laughs> like like Greg Gillespie, I mean, might as well jump forward to, to his, his red card. I mean, it was a it was a definite red card. I think it was actually could have been a straight red for that tackle in the the first instance. Aye, no, I, I thought so. There was no no doubts about it. I tell you what, I did have doubts about uh, Hamilton's penalty. I don't know what it was for. Oh, I mean, I, like so, I, I've watched it back loads of times. I'd seen it shared on Twitter, and something's like somebody was complaining. I think it might have been Evan McFarlane who is, is certainly well-known on Twitter. He's not shy in telling you about himself online. <laughs> and he tweeted out complaining about the standard of refereeing because obviously with VAR being introduced in the Scottish top flight, the, the second tier of referees, they man the VAR stations. So there's like a, a whole new batch of referees that have come up to take their place that are working the Championship, League One and League Two. And, and watching it back, it's, it's a guy called Tom Sparrow. Sounds like a, a sort of gay porn star. Tom Sparrow <laughs> swings in a, like a really slim gay porn star. I put the word twink in my notes. Uh, he swings in a cross as a free kick, swings it in. Effie Ambrose tries to clear it. The ball bounces to the edge of the area. And then Dan O'Reilly goes for it at the same time as Grant Gillespie. And, and it appears to be just flying out for a corner. It just feels like a 50-50 that... that just should be like a, an Aki's corner, but the referee Duncan Williams uh, gives a penalty. I, I just, I, I just, I don't think it looks like a foul at all, and nobody. I, I don't think any Hamilton player appeals for it. And and even when the even when the referee kind of gesticulates as to what's happening, that there feels like an air of confusion because nobody can quite get their head around why it is a penalty to Hamilton. Aye, and, and that was I was like watching that bit back just over and over again to to try and put myself in the referee's perspective and why they're given that, and and I really am at a loss. And after this point, like Winter sticks a penalty away, and I think that Aki certainly had better chances to 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 to, to win this game. They had a really good chance later later on in the match where. Uh, Winter again, Schwockey, Brian Schwockey in the, the Morton goal made a really good save, diving to his left to slap the ball away. And and there was a bit there towards the end, again, where I think it might have been Winter, it was quite hard to tell with the highlights, because as you say, it was like watching a kaleidoscope. He gets put through and goal. His, his final touch is a little bit heavy and Schwockey's able to come out to, to block the ball, might get caught under his feet. But I, I think Hamilton may, might have deserved this one. Uh Maybe just about. See, see if it had been a draw, you could argue that that, that was probably a, a, a deserved result, a, a point a piece. But I like Hamilton were okay. Uh, however, I, I I do think that they that they won't bring anybody in in January. So, so they're the worst team I've seen this season by mm. by a by a long chalk. They they have a a, a squad that is. Kind of youthful, have no experience whatsoever, uh, and I mean, I was up there a couple of weeks ago for the the Wraith Rovers game. As bad as I've seen, it was Armandoni's laddie was up front for them. And don't get me wrong, like he's seventeen, could have a career, but the fact that he's leading the line for them in a, in a reasonably yeah. important game because if, if if Hamilton had won that day, it kind of would have you know something would have sucked. It would have sucked the Rovers in a wee bit at, at the bottom of the league. But they never look like scoring. Never look, certainly never look like scoring in, in open play, and that's a massive problem. 
if, if it hadn't been for that penalty, which was never a penalty. I, I don't think they would have scored on, mm. on Saturday either. So I, 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 a great three points. You still look about who's around them. Uh, Arbroath, I think I've done some like really good yeah, business in January. Time. Cove, look streets above Hamilton. So, so yes, as much as this is a, a good result, I'd still be surprised if they're able to build on it and, and able to to kind of extricate themselves from the from the problem that they're in. Uh, you're absolutely right. I suppose our broth have uh, there's a lot of money in the bank at our broth. I think they they have <clears throat> we've we've spoken about this new recruitment team that they're putting in place that appears to be paying dividends because they they've shipped out some of the duds like Derry Corfe, if, if that's how you pronounce it. He's he's gone already. You guys have come in and and they they do look better. That was a good draw at the weekend, drawn two two with Air United. That's a, that's a really good point in the in the circumstances. Um, Cove Rangers, who are eight points ahead of Hamilton, they have they've changed their minds. And Rob Paul Hartley hasn't had the immediate effect, but there's already they have signed uh, Scott Fox is coming from from Queen of the South. Um, Tony Weston, Tony Weston, loan from Rangers. That that yeah. happened earlier today, and. <clears throat> there's there's positions that that, that um, they can immediately go out and strengthening. You know we we've, we've been quite critical. Stuart McKenzie a couple of times in this podcast, the Cove goalkeeper, Scott Fox is an upgrade in that. They need credible uh, alternatives in attack there to Mitch Meganson. Tony Weston should provide that, so you can see them getting better. And I think you're right in what you say about Hamilton. They're just. There just isn't the capacity to, to get any better. And it was make do and mend. And I suppose, like, how many other clubs would a, would a manager get, uh, enjoy such a, a long losing run before changes are being made? And you think that Rankin, perhaps under any other club, would have been moved out a while ago? You, you sometimes wonder if, and I, I'm sure they do, I'm, I'm sure they absolutely do, but you sometimes wonder how much the Hamilton board care mm. like does that make sense yeah it's quite, quite interesting what you're saying there Sean I got a DM on Twitter last week from a Hamilton fan who listened to the podcast and he was pointing out I think when, when you and I were, were complaining about the lack of match highlights from some teams and one of the teams that we mentioned was Hamilton Ackies and, and the guy said just like what a shambles the, the, the club are at the moment um and, and there's there's a number of things that that you see it gets shared on on social media. You've seen you we've no doubt seen them that the screenshots from Facebook posts that have, been, <laughs> that have been clipped and put up on Twitter, and and they're funny. And it's but I suppose they're funny, but it's a sense of relief that it's happened to someone else and not you. You know, I mean, you'll know, Sean. You'll know. You have been a, a prime. I, I hate using the word banter club, but Wraith Rovers have been a banter club at, at points, like Claude and Elka. The the Gary Locke John Hughes season of getting relegated there. I mean, there's there's two times in a, a lifetime. Some clubs never even see that. Some clubs are never banter clubs, but Reith Rovers have done it twice. And I think that Hamilton Ackies this season are perhaps Scotland's premier banter club. But I mean, there was situations. The, the supporter who who messaged me and quite a long, very detailed uh, DM on on Twitter. They offered a fans tickets to a Lowland League match between Rangers B and Celtic B. Yep. No, I've seen that. I've seen that at the very, very last minute. But it was when there was a, a kind of negative reaction to it. They then replied and said, well, didn't realise it was this kind of reaction. <laughs> like like as if it was like a, a kind of Facebook more. 
Sticking with the Facebook page, there was obviously the Facebook administrator was calling out supporters, but he'd done it from the official Hamilton Ackies uh, under under their Facebook account. He hadn't switched, but he, he he hadn't switched from his uh, back to his personal account, so it just looked incredibly amateurish. And on top of that, fans are being banned from New Douglas Park. We're seeing people on social media, people on Pie and Bovril, are complaining about having been banned, <coughs> and it just. I think being a Scottish football fan outside the Rangers and Celtic, you can handle your club being bad at times because that's just what happens. There's only two real successful clubs in Scotland. Being bad is part and parcel of being a football supporter. But it's when your team's a laughing stock, that's when... That's, that, that, that's, that's when it's not fun. Nobody wants to be a laughing stock and that's what Hamilton are at the moment. I mean, uh, like Colin McGowan has been involved at, at Wraith Rovers in the, yeah. in the past. And I remember when he faced uh, criticism from Wraith Rovers fans, he suggested that if he wasn't able to get somebody to kind of take the club off his hands, then he would, he would bulldoze the stadium and just build houses on it. Uh, he is... His, his tenure at Starts Park was was dreadful mm-hmm. and you're, you're starting to see that that amateurishness now uh, being quite prevalent at, at Hamilton and you're right yeah. it's it kind of feels like Hamilton are like let, let's say Hamilton get, get, get relegated this season and I, I genuinely think that'll be the case they don't have a they don't have a, a big fan base that you would necessarily, necessarily think right they'll be they'll immediately be one of the favourites for League One like you, you wouldn't think that at all. Mm-hmm. Like you would maybe almost lumber them in with the same as Alloa, for example, as it might be a half decent League One club, mm-hmm. but certainly not a very good one. And 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 you're right if they if they can't make significant changes between now and the end of January, then uh, the, the the kind of direction that they're going in is is extremely concerning. Yeah, that's and that's what the fan finished his DMs saying. He said like he's been following the club for for a couple of decades now, and he's seen stuff like uh, players going on strike, points deductions, being down in the third division. But he's always stuck by the club because he believes in them. But this is the first time where it's just complete indifference, complete apathy to to what is going on. And when you think about like. Remember when, when when you and I were working on Telemis Pelly, one of the, the, the great moments of us working on that website was the Aki's against Hibernian and the, the playoffs where they were yep. relegated Teddy mm-hmm. Butcher's side. I mean Aki's like over the last like five or six years have had some like five, six, seven, eight years I've had some great days like like winning those playoffs, like going to going to Ray, going to Ibrox and, and, and beating Rangers on, on occasion. And it's just that they just seem an absolute shadow of, them, of, of themselves, and it just feels like it's a real slow decline. And I don't know the answer for it. Like it just feels like the what's it? The board are effectively split in two, looking after the the stadium and looking after the the football team. I think they're, they're two separate entities, and that just I just think that's a, a a recipe for badness when those things happen. I I, I don't even think. And I think that there's there's more needing done than so. Let's say they got rid of Rankin, for example, mm. and whether that's required or not, I'm not sure, because I think he has a squad of essentially kids, teenagers. Yeah. Ah, exactly, teenagers and and some guys who may be okay. Uh, if they were to to get rid of him, would that make any difference? 
I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I think there needs to be. I, I think there needs to be change in the boardroom before Hamilton get any better. You know what? I feel like that bit in the office where David Brent says to to Gareth, "Go and get the guitar." So John Rankin says to Mikey Doyle, "Go and get that wheel of punishment." <laughs> And he just wheels it out for the wheel for There's Mikey the banter boy. Which he has in his boot. He's had it. He's had it in his boot since he left Falkirk. He's just waiting for the right moment to bring it out. And this is it. This is it. Get morale up. We've uh, we've just got our first win in three months. Let's let's get the the wheel of punishment. We were watching that video on Falkirk's Facebook page and expecting it to be some sort of punchline, but it never really came. It was just a bunch no. of boys going ooh oh like that. As this uh, this wheel was spun. I, I I watched it for a long time and I was like, this is does this ever improve? Uh, I think that was the season where Falkirk relegated that season. Uh, they certainly didn't do very well. Mm, maybe that's it Mikey Doyle should just actually just leave the, the wheel of punishment in the in the back of his car then that's uh, imagine like the, the wheel of punishment it's like um, like Jumanji <laughs> like where, you know at the you know at the, the very end of Jumanji where it washes up in a beach and a bunch of kids pick up you think well the same thing's going to happen again maybe that's it like with the wheel of punishment I don't I, judging by what I saw in that video I don't think the wheel of judgement would it would be able to take like getting washed up anywhere? It would be absolutely <laughs> smashed up into smithereens. Just imagine Tom Hanks clinging onto it for dear life and castaway as he just bobbles towards some remote island. <laughs> Kate Winslet hanging on for dear life. <laughs> oh, it's the only thing salvaged for Titanic: <laughs> the wheel of judgment. That's quite funny, the idea this wheel of judgment has been in the go for centuries. It's like Forrest Gump, it just turns up and like like uh, it was in the back of John F. Kennedy's car in Texas. Anyway. The next game's coming up, Sean. Um, for, for each side now, the Aki's have done well in their cup competitions this so far this season. They've only lost one match in the cup competitions all season. That was to Dundee in the League Cup group stages. We've got Ross County at home next. Imagine that's a, even though Ross County are misfiring at the moment, the top flight. Straightforward win for them. I, I, I know you're saying they've only lost one game, but like, that, is that not because they've been eliminated from most of their cups early? Well, they knocked out the Premier League, but they've done well in the Scottish Cup, and they beat Clyde in the, <laughs> the SPFL Trust Trophy. Uh, I'm going to go for a Ross County win. After that, they've got Partick Thistle away. I'm going to imagine the same sort of thing. It's a, I'm going to go for a Partick Thistle win. <laughs> well, well, we've kind of not really spoken much about about you know, Morton, but... Oh, there's uh, Tottenham Hotspur just scored against uh, Manchester City. Sorry, I don't like breaking breaking fourth wall here, but that just, just caught my eye there. I was just looking past my notes. But uh, Celtic's game against Greenock Morton, how much money, would you, would you any ideas of how much money Morton are likely to make from that? Uh, I would say somewhere between £150,000 to £200,000. That's pretty good money. I believe, I believe that's what Wraith Rovers made uh, last season from one of their visits. Okay, then so we adjust, that, adjust that for inflation. That's about three hundred and fifty thousand pounds now. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. That's 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 very good. That's very good. You're right. That's it's a it's a good time to get on this big, a big team like that because that money can be reinvested in the squad 
or, or to pay off debts or whatever. No, Morton, Morton, am I right in thinking Morton are debt free? Uh, yes, I, I think because uh, they're now fan owned and that golden casket thing is in the past. And, and yeah, I think so. They've written off all their debt. Oh, that's very good. And that can just be an, an invested in players. Uh, I wonder who they could they could get. Um, so I think like a, 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 a pre, an English Premier League, an ageing English Premier League striker. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, if I could, I'm sure it'd be hilarious. Andy Carroll? Oh, now we're talking. Could you imagine him pulling on the blue and white hoops of Morton? I, I, actually, it's, it's not that enticing, is it? Can you imagine Andy Carroll playing for Morton? Yes, I can. Well, well yes, I can. I, I doubt it would be enticing for Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll picked. In fact, he's not a Reading. He's already in a, a blue and white strip. Oh, right. I think. Uh, just uh, he has one too many one night and ends up in ends up in Morton, and and he's, he just goes in the change room, pulls in a blue and white top, doesn't think anything of it. Uh, they've got our growth in their next match. Is this a is a good opportunity to to get back in track? I I think our growth will beat them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think. Uh... I think Doug Emery has done has done wonders at Morton this season. He has got uh, he's got a tune out of players that I didn't expect them to get a tune out of. I, I think they may be reverting to the mean a wee bit. Uh, I, I still think they'll have a. I still think they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. I I anticipate them to finish mid table. I don't think we're in the top four. I, I think our growth might might beat them this next time around. Just very quickly, sticking on our growth. Remember last season how a lot of people wanted them to, to win promotion, win the championship, get into the premiership. It's very it's very interesting to see how uh, your goodwill towards a team can dissipate off the back of something very small. And see that Jeezy Peeps, that is without a doubt some of the worst patter I've heard this season. And I think that anyone caught using it, online or otherwise, should be bundled into the back of a van wrapped in a rug. And then let go after a couple of days. Obviously, don't you shouldn't be um, you shouldn't be murdered for having bad patter. Christ, if that was the case, I'd have been dead a long time ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean. I mean, it was bad, but the uh, the, the the courier has really leaned into it. There's, there's been several articles about cheesy peeps. Listen, it's uh, in these days of uh, competitive journalism. We, we we know people that are journalists. You've got to. <laughs> You've got to try your best. And if that means uh, writing about Gigi Peeps, then, then so be it. He, the, the guy who said it was killing mice earlier that day. That's right, yeah, he's a pest controller. Yeah. Well, he, say, he, say, he says he's Well, a he pest says controller. he does. But what I took from it, he, he enjoys killing mice. Um, I uh, found a mouse in my house. Uh, just, I'm sorry, I don't know that rhymes here. Just prior to Christmas, I saw a mouse in my and came into my bedroom. I was I, it was a day after my work's night out. I'd, I'd I had one too many, and I had a bit of a bit of a hangover. This was into the evening, but see when I saw that mouse come into my bedroom, my goodness! See the shot of adrenaline I got. My goodness, it was like uh, the scene from The Rock when they get exposed to the the chemicals and they've got to inject themselves with adrenaline. That's what I felt like when I saw this mouse. Um, And I've seen it one more time since. I bought mouse traps, uh, but it hasn't hasn't come back. uh, And it hasn't been um, killed in any of the traps. I just imagine it just doesn't fancy it anymore. You should should hire the the guy that said Jeezy Peeps. (laughs) Hire him. Oh no, hire him on the pretense that I've got a mouse problem and then just tie him up. (laughs) 
it's on a, it's on a Saturday. Our brother playing that day. He thinks he's going to be doing the commentary, but no, he's um, in the the he's dead. Like Terry Waite chained to my radiator. You're, you're starting to say like George Michael. <laughs> oh, that's, that's he. There was a sexual element involved in that, wasn't there? I I am I am very surprised that he was allowed to go in mainstream television after just. Uh, essentially hiring uh, I believe some kind of sex worker mm-hmm. and then just forcing him against his will to, to stay in his house for about five days <laughs> but, but there you go he's still a still a highfalutin TV star well there you go then maybe if you wrote a song as good as I want to say Too Shy that was that was Kajagoo do you really want to hurt me if you wrote a song as good as that then maybe you could you could uh, uh, handcuff anyone you wanted to your <laughs> to your uh, Radiators. I'll bear that in mind. Aye, excellent. So there you go. I can see Sean uh, going straight to pick up a guitar uh, straight after this. And some handcuffs. And some handcuffs. <laughs> uh, just sticking with the championship, Sean, one of the stories, I've done this for every division, by the way, little stories that caught my eye over the, the course of the week. And this is one about Dundee's pitch. They were supposed to play Dunfermline Athletic on Tuesday night. This was their SPFL Trust Trophy Cup quarter final match. It should have been played last week, but the pitch was waterlogged. This time around, the pitch was frozen. And Dundee knew the temperature was going to fall. They told the SPFL they wouldn't put on the undersoil heating because, and I quote, it was fiscally irresponsible to do so. Mm-hmm. I, I I sometimes think that Dundee's issue is their groundsman. <laughs> and and the only reason I say that is because I like, I don't follow him on Twitter, but any time I see his tweets, there is an irregular amount of gaps between a lot of words. So sometimes there's double spaces between words, sometimes there's triple spaces, and a lot of a lot of things are spelt incorrectly. And I Based on that, I struggle to believe that he's the best man to look after Dundee's park. Surely, though, just a, a, a poor grip on social media. It doesn't preclude you from being a good groundsman. No, but he puts up videos of what he's doing, and I think to myself, I'm not entirely sure that's the best thing to do. Well, have you ever had to be the groundsman at a large piece of grass? Well, well, no, but see when he's, see when he's trying to defrost a park by... Uh, Blowing a leaf, blow blow her over it, and it doesn't it, it doesn't make me think that he's uh, some kind of park expert. He's, he's thinking outside the box, and I think that's the. I think that's. Do you know something? He's he's doing his best, I suppose. But uh, do you know something? Dundee are starting to stack up games, and if that yeah. goes against them, good. I think that's what you, you touched on that last week when we spoke about Queen's Park and, and their ability to, to win the championship. That might depend on Dundee's backlog of fixtures. But there's an interesting thing that, that telling the SPFL we're not going to put the undersoil heating on because we don't think it's <coughs> worth it. And then but, you, but you don't, but in, in fairness, you don't have to, there's no rule to say you have to put on the undersoil heating. Is that, is that so? I, I believe so, yes. Again, I I did not know that. I was I saw George Cran, whose whose work when I have read, I've quite enjoyed reading it. He had written an article about it for the Courier. You think he Dundee? He's a Dundee supporter. Dundee's his beat, but. Once again, I couldn't access the Courier because I had used my free subscription uh, reading Jim Spence's columns. 
This one's quite an interesting thing to talk about, Jim Spence. He's, uh, if you go and judge him by the stuff that he posts on his Twitter, he's, 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 uh, he's in a bad place. He, he's, 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 but the bad place he's in is uh, a lack of attention. He, he's certainly, in a, he's certainly in a, an interesting place. It's obviously a, a, we're not going to. This isn't the time nor the place to to debate like the section thirty five or whatever. But I just see the stuff. And I just see a man who is still angry from being kicked out of the BBC or not being leaving the BBC even in two thousand and two thousand thirteen after the whole Rangers debacle when he tried to sass off Rangers and and uh, somebody accosted him in a park, and he's still bitter about that. Like I think free speech is something that, that he's a big like a big advocate for, and it's it's just it's just there's something a bit something a bit pathetic about him these days. I mean, he's always been uh, pathetic, but he comes across as a man who is attempting to be clever and smarmy. Yes, aye. Uh, which uh, is difficult when you have gigantic ginger hair. You know, I, I never until I looked at pictures of Jim Spence, I didn't think it was possible to smell what someone looked like by looking at a photograph. <laughs> He he smells like I imagine he smells like he smells of musk. He smells of old man sweat. He smells of clothes that have been left in the washing machine too long before being brought out to dry. And I imagine he smells of arse. I imagine he <laughs> smells like. Have you ever been in a, for a drive shot and you've sat in a passenger seat for about four or five hours? And if you were to smell the passenger seat, like after you got out, that's what Jim Spence would smell like. A combination of those three things. So wait a minute, just so my understanding here, you have been on a journey, a long journey, and then somebody, like a passenger, has got out of the car, and then you've smelt the seat after they've left the car. And said, I imagine this is what Jim Spence smells like. <laughs> right, oh, right, well, that's fine. He's been updating his bio again recently, and it's just a. Uh, I mean, obviously, when, when I was screenshotting his bios for what was it like four or five years, it had to come to an end at some point. <laughs> but I'd like to have it come to my its end on my terms. Uh huh. I'd like to. Yeah, but he blocked you. Head. He blocked me on Twitter. Yes, um, despite the fact that exchanges had been fairly cordial. Uh, that's that's him. His Twitter, his rules, his loss. His, his loss, his current bio is uh, likes a laugh. Do you know who he doesn't like? Who? Craig Anderson. And that, dear listener, is a story for another day. We will move... <laughs> we will move into League One. And we're going to be talking about our <laughs> mid-table stalemate between Kelty Hearts and in-jokes, aren't they? They're, they're great. The listener will be like, yeah. oh, what's, what's this going on? What's this going on? But uh, no, no, trust us. If you hear the story, you'd find it very funny. But we're looking at mid-table stalemate between Kelty Hearts and Airdronians. The Diamonds took the lead through Adam Frizzell's first half goal, but that was cancelled out by Jamie Barjonis, who drew his side level in the 66th minute. Kelty are still in seventh place. Airdrie are just two points off Aloha in fourth place with 33 points. What did you make of this one, Sean McGuire? I think well, the interesting thing about this was uh, I thought we were looking at Aloha versus Edinburgh. You didn't watch Aloha versus Edinburgh, did you? Yes, I did. But right. to be fair, I've also watched the uh, Airdrie game as well. So are all your notes for, for Aloha versus Edinburgh? Yes. 
But I have watched the the, the Kelty versus Airdrie game. Okay, we will. Well, I tell you, seasons we both watch that. We'll we'll both talk about it, and then we can go and discuss the the Aloha Henry. I haven't seen that at all. I didn't get around to to watching the highlights for that. But for for this game, the the, the first thing that I noticed was how nice. New Central Park looks at the moment. I was there last year, and behind the goals, it was effectively like a, a grassy embankment, a, a sort of muddy slag heap, very like a sort of small scale for hill, if you for for want of a better expression. I remember thinking that oh, when it comes to like a, a rainy day or something, that's that's going to become quite muddy, and that's not going to become be a nice place to watch football. However, that's been done up with sort of like wooden terracing. It looks class. It looks re- a really, really good place to, to go and watch football. And I was thinking that I really want to go and see a, a Kelty game at some point soon. Aye, so I, so last season, uh, during the unpleasantness of Wraith uh, Rovers, I went to a, a, a Kelty game. I thought the setup was just really good. I thought the setup was really good. Uh, the, the, the stadium was good. Their, their social club was good. Like everything about them was was very very positive, and even though they've just I mean, even though they've probably they probably have underperformed this season in terms of not necessarily they've probably underperformed based on how other people thought about them rather than what their squad dictates. I think I I don't know, Sean. It's like uh, looking at League One this season. If you're going right back to the start of the season, looking at League One, you would kind of think of the, the teams who would who would expect to win it. So it was for, for myself, Dunfell and Falkirk are the two teams that are going to win it. Queen of the South will get third place, and then for that fourth spot, the, the word you could have said Montrose, Airdrie, Aloha. Uh, Kelty so there's, there's there's just so many teams like like decent teams vying for the the same sort of uh, positions I think Kelty are are perhaps performing how I expected them to, to perform because they haven't really made any like big blue chip signings aye and that's just of, it that, like yeah. that summer there was probably the first summer they've not like really invested quite heavily in, in, in the squad and their their kind of big names are are other than Jamie Barjonas, I suppose, or maybe Nathan Austin, uh, the, the the bigger names are, are guys that are maybe coming to the the end of their career. Yeah. Uh, so they're probably now probably performing just how you would roughly expect them. Uh, but I, I suppose the the thing about them, it, it, it kind of feels like. It kind of feels like the person in charge is is, is not quite as interested anymore. Like I, I I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the case, but he's like there hasn't been any investment this season from what from what I could from what I could tell. And like what you're saying in terms of whether they are uh, whether they're they're performing at their, their relevant level, the fact that Doogie Hill is still playing for them, somebody who has actually retired and come out of retirement mm. and has still played a role for them. I, I, I don't know there's something about Kelty that, that is not quite they're not what I expected this season I, 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 see, I see what you mean I suppose that, like a lot of the a lot of the big investment was to put a team together that would get out of the Lowland League at the at the, at the first goal and that's that's what they had I mean the, they were signing guys the team that won the, the Lowland League I think that was a team that that would easily have held its own in League Two, which turned out to to, to be the case. They, they they crashed through League Two, uh, and 
there was a big step up. We said that there perhaps need to be investment in the defence. That hasn't necessarily happened. I think Tam O'Ware, that was the only real uh, name that, that came in. Liam Fon, not Liam Fontaine, Jordan Forster is the, 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 somebody, somebody else that came in. So yeah, it's sort of guys that are coming to the to, towards the tail end of the careers. However, it's like you can't keep spending, like, I think that if you were to keep spending money at Keltars, you're just like, just chucking money at something. I think it's a, a difficult league to get out of. I think that, that for me, for Kelty, I suppose it's just like establishing yourself as a, a league one side, just consolidating your position within the division, maybe having a crack at the top four and then taking it from there. I think Kelty are on, on track to do that. They are, and I suppose my, my concern would be if, if their current owner is not interested in in continuing to invest, then how viable are Kelty? Like the, the like they feel even less viable than Ross County, for example, who are kind of propped up by uh, McGregor's McGregor's money. I, I I'm not sure about Kelty at all. This is the first time. I, I know we've kind of spoken about Kelty in terms of they've come for the lone league, League Two. Now League One. I actually think this is the the first moment where I am. Um, I I think they will go backwards from here. I I disagree. I think they're they're going to establish themselves as a decent mid to lower end uh, League One club. You can maybe maybe challenge it at some points, but I. That that's why I I don't know what the owner's intentions are. I I, I think it's it's I, not really a, not really in a position to speculate. I, I don't think that that it's as, it's quite been. A, I'm comparing to like Willie Hawhey, for instance, at, at, at Queens Park. We we, we kind of know what his in, intentions are for the club. We don't know what what that that story is at Kelty Arts. I don't think it's it's fair to to speculate in in that regard. I suppose they've went from a team who we we thought may challenge at, at the top of League One to just not being in that equation whatsoever. And to be fair, to be a kind of village team and be in League One and not be in the relegation equation, fine. That, that, that's like a, a, a decent season, I suppose, uh, and and fair play to them. But they they would they can't aim any higher this season. I I suspect. Listen, it's a difficult league. I don't think that fourth place is out of the question. No, honestly, honestly, really? for the, yeah, for the teams from from the teams from eighth place. So, so the teams that we mentioned there. So, from between Alloa in fourth place and Kelty Hearts in so Queen of the South in eighth place, I think any of those sides could get into the top four. Nah, I'm not having that at all. Okay, well, well, do you want to? Shall we discuss the match then, at least? We probably should. One of my favourite moments in this entire match was right at the very start. Josh Ray passes the ball straight to Callum Higginbotham. Callum Higginbotham takes a touch, has time to control and shoot, hits it right over the bar, and somebody in the crowd shouts, fuck's sake, Higgy, really, <laughs> really loud. That was my favourite moment from this whole match. Uh, mine, mine's as well. Uh, it was finally the best moment of, uh, of uh, a game that was uh, okay, but, but uh, not spectacular. I I think think that that's fair to say the the standout for me in this match was not and not just the score but Jamie Bar Jonas was central any time Kelty Hearts had a, a a good chance it was Jamie Bar Jonas that was creating it Jamie Bar Jonas is the one finishing off 
and I, I think he's been linked with Dundee. I saw that certainly in Pine, but it might just be it might be street talk. But he was linked like with Dundee, and it's any time I've seen him, and that was last season uh, playing for for Kelty and League. To and the times, I mean, albeit via highlights and so on, this season it's just a very, very classy player who is who is playing at a level not suited to his ability. I, I think he's good. Uh, I, I I suppose I am biased because of his his very short tenure at Starts Park, where he was he was not very good. But to be fair, there was lots of players that weren't very good during that spell. Uh, I. I, I think he could potentially shine at championship level. Whether Dundee is a club of him, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But he, it, it, it certainly deserves to go someplace higher up in the pyramid than than Kelty. Yeah, and and based on this performance, and the the number of like like good chances that he was involved in. Took his goal very well, you know. It was a, a really good finish. Although it was quite funny, Nathan Austin trying to to, to claim as his the ball's going over the line, and there's Nathan Austin trying to to jump and, and diving header it into the net to to, to steal to steal the goal from him. Um, but of course, it was uh, Airdrie that, that took the lead, and it was uh, it was obviously it was from a, a Kelty mistake that um, the. I think it's Callum Gallagher tries to hook the ball over to um, to Frizzell, but miss hits it. But then Reese Peggy, the Kelty fullback, completely slices his clearance and slices it very, very perfectly into the path of Frizzell, and it's a good finish beyond uh, Jamieson and the the. The Kelty goal. Interesting fact: Adam Frizzell is going out with Jackie McNamara's daughter. There's a wee bit of celebrity gossip for you. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. So, well, now you do. Now I do. Now you do. Um, and I just, it, I suppose, it's, uh, I'm kind of just going, going, going by the highlights. It's just, I thought that, that Kelty will perhaps be a bit, a bit disappointed that they didn't actually make more of that based on the chances that they had. I think Airdrie had a really good chance in the first half there where it was uh, Charlie Telfer. There's a really, really nice flurry of passes with Cal, between Callum Smith. Charlie Telfer's put through in goal and he tries to slip in Callum Gallagher but it feels like he's in a better position to go and try and shoot himself and Peggy blocks it when he, when he, uh, when he should have gone himself and, and uh, yeah I suppose we don't really have much to say about this game it's always uh, it's always good if we've both got notes to go along with the game so I suppose we could we could wrap up there Sean have we learned anything from either of these teams with this have we learned anything about Airdrie uh, I I suspect that Airdrie won't finish in the top four. Are you telling me that their new signing, Lachlan Bird, signed from Dandenong Thunder, who play in the second tier of Australian football, isn't going to be the change maker? Is that the guy that they announced? Is a like flowing blonde locks? He, I've put my notes here. He looks like he'd work in the surf shack in Home and Away. I, that that won't guarantee promotion. Listen, if like there's there's loads of Australians in in Scotland, they're all, all making names for themselves. Well, yes, there is, but that doesn't guarantee energy promotion. I have my doubts about Lachlan Bird. It's just a great name, great everything about him, just the, the hair, the look, the name, the team that he signed for. It's uh, it's a, a very exciting time to be a diamond. If you remember when they were signing all those guys from Spanish football, no, 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 this. 
Now is the time to now. Now really is the time to shine. So as well, for interesting from this match, Adam Frizzell was playing uh, out wide in this, and I thought that he had really sort of become a, a very very good player at Airdrie when he was brought in field. He'd sort of gone from a, a fairly average winger into a, a very good central midfielder. He was particularly good last season when Reese McCabe and Dylan Easton were on the side. So it was interesting to see him moved out wide. I, I mean, although he scored today, I'm not sure if that's a, a long-term move for him. No, and, and again, it, it kind of feeds into the fact that Airdrie have... I kind of bereft of options. Hmm. Like they have, they have a, a, a starting eleven. They maybe have another two or three subs, and, and that's about it. And uh, their uh, their their thirteen man squad plus very young manager is a. a, a I'd be surprised. I'd, I'd be surprised if they're in the top four come the end of the season. I'm going to stick by what I said earlier. The, the transfer window is still open. There's still time for, for Reese McCabe to, to bring in guys that he can trust, new players that he can hang his hat on. Guys like Lachlan Burrow, he was in the bench against Kelty. But I still maintain that that, that any of those um, five teams are fine for that one spot. Four teams? Five teams are fine for... No, no, no. Five, two, three. Four teams are fine for that one spot. Sorry, I had to do my arithmetic there for a second. Uh, and I still think it's, uh, it's achievable for them. No, no, it is, but I don't think they will. Perhaps a team who have signed players is, is uh, Kelty Hearts. They have brought in Tui Daramola from Bonus Athletic in a three-and-a-half-year contract. He will be loaned back to Bonus for the remainder of the season. He is a bit of a phenomenon at Bonus. He's scoring... I think Bonus, I saw, if, if I'm right, he scored about 113 goals so far this season. Uh, albeit it is the... A very low level. They're in the East of Scotland third division. So that's seven divisions between themselves and, and Kelty Hearts. But uh, Daramola, he'd previously been at Stenhouse Muir and he was a player that I always quite looked at, liked the look of and wanted him to be given a chance. But I don't think that managers ever really quite fancied him and he's, he's dropped down that level and he's obviously recast himself as a superstar striker. He looks, judging by the photo that accompanied his signing with Kelty Hearts, he looks bigger. He looks like he's been at the gym. And as he's uh, apparently very, very fast, very, very strong, and that goes a long way at that level. And I'll be really interested to see how how he gets on. Um, I think that he's he's raw, but there is something tangible to work there. And if Kelty Hearts can unlock that potential, they might have a, a very good striker indeed. But albeit it comes with the caveat that he was playing at a low level previously, so it might take a bit of time to adjust. I think the fact that Kelty have immediately loaned them out would suggest that they don't trust them fully as it stands. It might have been that might have been part of the deal with Bonus. Bonus said, "Yeah, you can have him, but we want to we want to keep him." Perhaps. I'm interested to see him. I know I know Joe seen him, and he said that he is uh, lightning quick, and his finishing is very good. So I'd, I'll be interested to see him. Statement that accompanied his signing on the Kelty Hearts website. I'm going to read this out to you. Kelty Hearts Football Club are committed to identifying talent and talent and providing them with an environment which we feel can enhance careers. Young or old, we want to harness people's ambitions. If individuals improve and achieve, then collectively we will all achieve our goals. What football team does that sound like? Uh, 
It sounds and, like what Motherwell would have in their Twitter bio <laughs> if they had enough space. That's who it sounds like. Sounds like Motherwell <laughs> FC. Yeah, but the, 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 I think Motherwell, the, the worst of their uh, worst of, of going. Alan Burrows? Uh, no, I was, I was meaning other people. Okay, I, I, I don't know what you mean, Sean. I don't mean either. Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Scottish football's gain is West Ham's loss. Um, now, Sean, this is this is your chance. This is your chance to get involved. Tell us about the Edinburgh match. They're uh, two one by Aloha. Yes, and I honestly, I I think I suspect that Aloha are going to drop out the top four. Basing a win against a team that were lying above them in the table. They they did they not lose to to Alloa. No, you said so. You said Alloa are going to drop at the top four. Oh no, I, I think Edinburgh are going to drop at the top four. Right. Wow. Did Do you not think through, so? Talk, no. Well, talk us through your working, Sean. You watched the highlights. I didn't. So I I I think that uh, Edinburgh's squad has been stretched thin. I think that they've done well so far, and as much as uh, Hibs recalling their three lone players has a, a, a has an effect on this Edinburgh team. I'm not entirely sure that affects their, their starting eleven, but affects it affects their squad. Certainly affects how many players they could bring on. It affects how many kind of half decent players they could uh bring on as a substitute. And I uh I I, I just think that Edinburgh unless they can bring in two or three players between now and the end of January won't be finishing in the top four. So is it just because the players went by? I mean, talk us through, the, was there any passes of play? Was there any of the Aloha's goals that, that have helped um, firm up that impression that you've got of them? In, in terms of Edinburgh? Yeah. Uh, I they, they looked second best. And... Uh, in terms of uh, in, in terms of Edinburgh this season, they they've always kind of outperformed expectations, but they they now look like they have they look like a stand eleven and no subs. Like they had virtually no subs at the weekend against uh, uh, against Alloa, mm-hmm. and I think they have a decent stand eleven, but that's about it. I suppose that with I think it was only a matter of time before Falkirk really started getting their act together and you see now that Falkirk with their 4-0 win over Clyde at the weekend they've overtaken them in the table and now it's it's, it's, it's a two horse I think it's going to be a two horse race for that title albeit when one of the horses is, is much further ahead than the than the other ones um, and I, I, I don't know I, I, I suppose they were put out before at the start of the season I would have had Edinburgh down as certainly not as bad as Clyde or, or Peterhead so I suppose like an 8th place finish would have been alright but I mean it's just it's just two defeats and it's two narrow defeats as well in fact though I'm just checking Edinburgh's fixture list they've got Falkirk at home next and then Queen of the South away next Two teams that have thumped them over the course of this season already. So, the, though the, the next fortnight or so might have a big bearing in terms of what happens with their season, but I'm, I'm fairly confident they'll finish in the they, they'll finish in. I think they've got the potential to 
to to bring in more more players. Although there is a did, bit. Of, did, did you not say on the last one of the last uh, television shows that they would not finish in the top four? I can't, Sean. I, I'm a shock jock. I just say things to for, for, for attention. Me and Jim Spence, we're two sides of the same coin. I'm the I'm the Batman to his Joker. He's the Joker to my Batman. I, I just you just say things. I, I don't I don't know. I, I am. I think they'll finish it, but the, but then but then Sean Sean that that that, that show finished in, in November. You can change your mind about things. No, you absolutely can. I'm Brantano. I say this all the time. I flip and I flop. And that's part of the fun. You can't pin me down. I'm too protein for you. Okay. Well, uh, one of the just before we move on, I wanted to touch on Montrose one Queen of the South nil. This was Marvin Bartley's first match as a Queen of the South manager, and it ended in defeat. It was a very, very well taken goal by Blair Lyons. Uh, that, that won this match, twisted and turned Kieran McKenna inside out before finishing uh, beyond Kevin Dubrovsky. Um, what do you think? Do you get the chance to see this one, Sean? Aye, and, and as much as uh, Queen of South uh, well, working the second best, I, th- I still think it's a good appointment. Yeah, I mean, it's only one game and I think that they had chances to win. Ross Sinclair in the Montrose goal played very well. And I think it's like Kieran McKenna, a player who hasn't, I think it's fair to say, hasn't had much of a an impact so far uh, this season at Palmerston. That that was, I mean, he was really turned inside out like a like a bloody pretzel, like Dalcine from Street Fighter to bring in a second Street Fighter analogy this week. Uh, so I, I wouldn't read too much into it. No, I, I do think it's a like as we spoke about last week. Uh, it's a good appointment. Well, well, potentially. Uh, a good appointment and that everything that we know about Marvin Bartley is uh, can it suggest positive vibes yeah on top of that Josh Todd missed a penalty he uh, put it right over the bar as well so it could have been a different we could have seen that's a good point against a against a side that hadn't won in their last eight matches but nevertheless I think uh, it's, uh, the only way is up for Queen of the South quite literally or town like we said last week, it would, it would really, really take some doing for Queen of the South to finish in ninth place. It would really take some doing. Well, imagine if Marvin Bartley achieves that. Nah, he won't. He, he won't. He won't. Make it horrendous if he did, though. Absolutely horrendous. We'd put egg in our faces after we backed him heavily. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, we're going into the basement division for a match between Forth Athletic and Dumbarton. Finished 2 1 to the Loons, who continue their resurgence under Mr. Raymond McKinnon. Ryan McGeever, the Dumbarton defender, was sent off after 12 minutes, uh, which really turned the match in Forth's favour. Ben Armour's double did the business, and although Ali Love pulled one back from the penalty spot with 14 minutes left, it wasn't enough. Now, Forfar have taken 14 points for a possible 21 since McKinnon came in a, a great return given how poor they were under Gary Evan they're now up to 5th place a point outside the playoffs and it was Dumbarton's first loss in over 3 months they're still top of the table they've still got a 4 point advantage over Stirling Albion but they have played a game more Sean McGuigan tell me about this one I am starting to suspect that Forfar might finish in the top 4 I th- I, I, that, honestly, so. I, I think the I think the appointment of Ray McKinnon is a very very good one. I know he's had uh, I know he's had his 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 critics, and I think he's an excellent appointment. I really do. 
No, I, I, I don't disagree. I think that, that he's, I think he stays in Dundee. I know he had a wee uh, heart scare for that and I'm absolutely delighted to, to, that he's that he's overcome that and he's back to back to full fitness. And I think that in the circumstances in terms of appointing a manager, I really don't think Thorford could have got any better in the circumstance. A guy who has, I think it's fair to say, mixed fortunes as a, as a full-time manager did uh, a qualified success at Queen's Park, you know, given all the advantages he had, you could all, you could really only win the division. I suppose his time at, at Falkirk was, I oh, got them relegated, not very good. The time at Greenock Morton, barely in the door. <laughs> Wraith Rovers, Wraith Rovers, Dundee United, you know, he's quite good at quite good at um, the Rovers. I, I mean, that was the the best Rovers team in about twenty years. Right. Well, there you go. It doesn't really get much better than that. Um, if, well, if he could, if he actually won something tangible, but nevertheless, that's the, that's that, that, that's pretty good, pretty good here. I, and I, I, th- I think he's good, and I think that like it's a, it's really the same players. I mean, he always brought in some guys on loan, but I mean they're all young guys that that, that he's brought on loan. Um, like boy Hutchison's coming, and Finn Robson's coming. Max Gillies joined the earlier today on loan from Queens Park, but it's really the same players, and I think it, it paints. I suppose when you see a new manager coming in and doing very well with the same group of players, it really doesn't paint Gary Irvin and Gary Harkins, the, the previous incumbents, in the greatest lights. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, and now we're in a situation where, so we thought that Forfa would be there or thereabouts when it comes to uh, getting promoted this season. That's still not a, a still not an impossible task. It's not though because if we said it last week there are only two sides in that division that are showing any kind of consistency and they're Dumbarton and Stirling Albion. Now, however, a third challenger has entered the contest and Forfar are showing their own levels of consistency and I think what you're going to see is the division's going to sort of like fracture into parts and, and, and I, I don't want to repeat what we said last week but the point you made is very, very, was very, very good about some teams are beginning to get their act together and some teams aren't and I think the teams that are beginning to get act together Forfar's one of them like Albion Rovers um, I don't know if Albion Rovers ever had an act to get together in the first place but you know what I mean Albion Rovers have won 4-0 in their sorry I've scored 8 times in their last uh, two, 2 matches they're in a bit of a turn Senes Muir have got a new manager in place Annan are, are still like frustratingly inconsistent I think that you will see like the, the, those last two places up for grabs and I think any any of those teams can uh, can, can challenge for them When I finished speaking there, Sean, I kind of expected you to to, to, to to join in, even just to say yes, just so it's not just me talking. Yes. See what I really liked about this match? See, knowing that Ryan McGeever was sent off after 12 minutes, watching the highlights, McGeever said it off comes about halfway through those highlights. The first 12 minutes, there was tons of stuff that happened in it. Does he deserve to get sent off? Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, and I know his ha- I know his hand come across, but was it totally deserved? I think right. I watched it. I thought that Ben Armour was looking for a penalty with that because he, he certainly he certainly threw himself down. He continues his run. He can see he's a bit off balance, but off balance, but in a way where he's still got an element of control. He continues it all the way to the penalty box, 
And I think it's that intention that I'll win a penalty for, for the team. It didn't quite happen because he'd gone down just outside the box. But I do think that McGeever had his hands all over him. And it's, I, I, it was a penalty. I don't think there was much dissension from the... Like for, for, from anyone at Dumbarton, I do think it was uh, the, the correct decision. Ben Arbon has any had hardly any hardly any career goals. Almost all of them were coming against Dumbarton. Yeah, it was remarkable. I was looking, but I saw somebody mention that in Pat and Bovril. I think he's got about what, eleven career goals. Five of them are so yep. come against Dumbarton. He scored uh-huh. a lot, particularly when he was at uh, previously at P- Peterhead. But no, took his uh, took his two goals uh, well here. But just just before we go on and talk about um, Ben Armour, like I suppose you've got to talk about Ryan McGeever. Like he is on a he's got eighteen months left in his contract at Dumbarton and he's a like a very useful player. You know, he's a club captain, he's a big guy, he's a good stopper, but he just doesn't look fit. I know he, he had quite a bad injury and came back from it, but he's the last time he played ninety minutes was in the three two defeat to Stranraer back in the twentieth of September. And that was a match that they you know when they did won all the first the first like seven games. That was the first match that they that they lost. He's played four times since McGeever, accumulating 29 minutes of game time, and he just looks a bit slow and lumbering. I think that with Gary Buchanan not playing in that match, I think he was suspended for this one, it just showed up the reserves, there's a big drop-off. And McGeever's a good player, but he needs to be fit, and he needs to get games to get fit. So I don't know if loaning him out might be a viable option for, for Dumbarton. Would loaning him out be... Because bear in mind, Sean, he's got he's got another year left in his contract. So, so are you suggesting he should be loaned out because he's not quite good enough, or because he is struggling, or is just coming back from an injury? I think he's I think he's struggling at the moment, and Dumbarton could have an asset on their hands, but they're in a position where they've got a league title to win, and I don't think you can really afford any passing of this. So, why not see if you could send him to Clyde, for instance, for the remainder of the season? It, it seems sensible, but whether that happens or not, I don't, I don't know. Just an idea, just, just just an idea, just just throwing that out there. But prior to that, there was there was a lot of action. You had a, a moment there where there was a mix up in defence between Andy Munro and Roberto Didi, and uh, Greg Wall, Greg, I was Greg Wallace, Greg Wild nipped in, and Ryan Wallace uh, that couldn't quite finish. There was Stephen McCluskey hitting the the crossbar. From eight yards, there was Mark McCallum miscontrolling a back pass and almost going into his own net. It was just, uh, it was just, uh, it was looked a lot of fun. Looked I found it good game. fun. No, you're right. I, I found it good fun. And there was, of course, we've mentioned uh, Ben Armour. The, the the goal there came. It was a uh, Mark Doherty ball down the left flank, really poor from Stuart Carswell coming out to try and meet it, completely whiffing it, and then Armour is just a, a straightforward finish under the legs of. Um, uh, Brett Long in the goal and the same it was the same movement with Mark Doherty at left back punting these balls into the channels and uh, this one for the for Forfer's penalty Sean do you, was there any debate there about whether Aaron Linus's challenge was outside the box in Sebron I, I, I thought it was on the line if it's on the line does that mean it's a penalty or does that mean it, ha- it happens on the line it, it, it's a penalty right that's well that's my curiosity satisfied so I correct, I correct it soon it was a really bad challenge like it was really really clumsy I there was, there was no need for it whatsoever no he's only going anywhere and then of course uh, Dumbarton get their own penalty and this was uh, Ali Love 
that uh, he was filled inside the box. I think he was held at a corner. And I, I, I couldn't find any good footage of either the, the award, the penalty, or Ali Love's reaction, which is quite frustrating. So... When I'd uh, initially seen that there was highlights up, I just, I just clicked on it and, and didn't really think anything of it. But for the first, like, maybe, I don't know, 60 seconds or so, it was just somebody's living room. I was like, well, <laughs> what am I looking at here? But it turns out it was just somebody's uh, amateur uh, highlights of uh, 4-4 uh, at the weekend. So I had to abandon that and then look at the, the, the professional highlights. But I still couldn't establish whether or not it was a penalty. Well, Sean, luckily for you, I was in contact with an associate of ours who follows Dumbarton. Don't want to say too much more. You might know who I'm referring to. Don't want to say too much more. But this person sent me video footage that was taken from behind the goals of the penalty. And what had happened was, it's uh, Mark Doherty. He and Ali Love used to play uh, with each other. And Doherty was trying to put him off by saying, like, ah, you're going to miss, you're going to miss. And when you saw in the highlights where Love is running back the ball on his arms, you see him briefly pointing at someone? That's Mark Doherty he's pointing at. And you can see that continued up to that, like, he was actually quite in Doherty's face. The referee got between them, and there was stuff was, you know, pie and ball about... about uh, I'd like to see more of that. Uh, Love was squaring up to Doherty. Uh, sorry, Love was squaring up to the referee. That wasn't the case. He was close to the referee, but pointed at Doherty. As uh, as he was as he was going there, just an angry young man. He, he really is. He really is. Uh, um, there's breaking news this evening, Sean. This was announced earlier today that uh, the Dumbarton manager Stevie Farrell, uh, Frank McEwen, his assistant, and the goalkeeping coach Eric Phillips have extended their contracts with the club up till 2025, and they're already talking to players to agree new terms for next season. I I am amazed by that. I. I am surprised as well why the, the length of the contract I can understand that maybe wanting to give reward a new deal give him a new deal reward of how how well the season's been going so far but there's still a lot of work to be done I, I just think that you don't know what division you're going to be in what's the harm in waiting till the end of the season to talk about new contracts and and four or five months ago Stevie Fowler was regarded as a, a, a fairly terrible department manager I always think that he's only just a handful of games away from supporters uh, turning on him because of last season. Again, referring to Pine Bobber, where, where one fan was like, "If we, he needs to get us promoted to make up for the relegation last season." So they'll just sort of they'll ca- cancel each other out. And I, I feel like we've spoken. I still think the Barton are going to win the league, but that's uh, they didn't play very well at the at the weekend. There, granted, they were down to uh, ten men for seventy-eight minutes of the match. But and then on top of that, they've got their problems with the pitch. They've got a couple of games still in the Albion Stenhouse Muir. They've still got to play games that were postponed because of the, the the nick of the pitch. And yeah, it just feels like there was no need to to start talking about contracts at this stage. I don't think. It was surprising. I don't think that any uh, Dumbarton fan is enamoured at the news, which is always it, it, it's always a barometer. Yeah, aye, that's, that's certainly the impression that I got from reading Pine Borrell, that, that most of the people are just sort of like, like, what are we doing? What's the, like, aye, what's, what's the rush? But, you know, proof's in the pudding. And I suppose there's, there's ways to think that I don't think for a second that 
that Stevie Farrell would see a new contract as being like job done, take the foot off the accelerator or anything like that, because there's a, a league title is it's in your hands. It's all it's all it's all within your grasp. Why would you why would you suddenly stop working as hard for that because you know we've got the security of another two and a half years left in your contract I don't I I certainly don't think that would be the case no no but you're essentially rewarding for somebody who has had a successful five months and that's it won three manager of the month uh, trophies in that time Sean they they don't grow in trees right but that's probably based on Craig Fowler's uh, team of the weeks he yeah we'll, we'll come on and talk about Craig Fowler just shortly uh, but the the next games a uh, very interesting game coming up still in Albion versus Forth for Athletic at this weekend uh, I, whether or not this game goes ahead we're not 100% sure because it's going to be very very cold in uh, Stirlingshire this, uh, this week so the pitch might be frozen but say it does go ahead that's a pretty tasty encounter on the cards I, I think uh, Stirling Albion will win they're now my uh, tip for League Two. Okay, fair enough. And Dumbarton's next match, they play Kilmarnock away in the Scottish Cup. By the end of the month, they're playing Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic. Uh, uh, Dumbarton will win and Bonnie Rig will get relegated. What do you think, though? Sticking with Bonnie Rig, they made, I think this might be their first signing of the window where they signed Xander Murray from Galaferi Dean. He's got seven goals in 15 games for the Lone League uh, side. Apparently, Robbie Horn had been keen on him signing him for some time. And Xander Murray is perhaps better known as the first openly gay footballer in Scotland. Do you think he can get the goals that Bonnie Rig badly need? Other than the obvious that everybody knows about him, uh, I, I don't know a lot about him. However, uh, apparently he's far too good for the Lone League so it feels like a good signing I, d- I don't know man it's like see had it been see if it'd been like Sterling Albion signing him where you say a player's far too good for the Lone League and you're going up into a standard of good players where you're making that step up then I think that might have been a good signing but I think it's you've got a team there who are like all Lowland League players and it's just, you're just adding to the pool. I'm not sure if he's going to like give them the, the quality that they really need. We said last week it's sort of like experience that they need. Good, good, like a bit of pace. I think he's got that. But I think he will find it as a challenge coming up into the SPFL where it, where it is a step up from the, the teams you'll be used to playing against. Duncan Mackay rates him. Well, you know something, that's good enough for me. If big Duncan Mackay rates him, then then, then good on him. I, ho- I hope he has a big success there because he seems like quite a cool guy and seems like quite a charismatic guy. And, and just to f- finish up, Sean, uh, you encouraged me to watch the highlights between Stranraer and Albion Rovers. Not yes. to watch a scintillating attacking showcase from the Vers, but to listen to the Stranraer TV commentary team. Yeah, there, there seemed to be some kind of uh, mental breakdown between... Uh, <laughs> Everybody involved in the Stranraer commentary team. Now, I, I've observed this over over the piece of of the season, but certainly recently, it, it's it's escalated. It, it's become worse. That they're not dealing that the, the Stranraer commentary team are not dealing well with how poorly they are doing. That, that certainly was the case. I mean, Albion Rose were excellent in this match. Uh, scored some scored some very good goals but it sounded like a malfunctioning chuckle brother at points so it was just like oh dear oh, oh dear, dear oh dear oh dear oh dear oh dear, oh dear. 
I want to say though, man, it's like the the highlights package is excellent though from from Sonar. Just like the the graphics at the start, the the, the lineups, the the filming is very good. Obviously, from from that grandstand at Stair Park, you get a really good vantage point of the pitch, and it's just a really good package with replays and so on. And I do think the commentary is a sort of wee bit like I can imagine it's sort of like the equivalent of sitting next to two old boys in a pub. That's what the, that's what the commentary is. But that's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. However, is there a bit of you that thinks? I'd be okay with Stranraer getting relegated because of their commentators. <laughs> I think that Stranraer are in big trouble, though. I mean, that's uh, beaten by Bonnie Rig, beaten by Stenhouse Muir, and then absolutely thrashed by Albion Rovers um, as well. But I think that Charlie Riley, however, the Albion Rovers superstar winger, he's been linked with Dundee. That, that does affect... Uh, Albion Rovers' uh, prospects, which, uh, very much so. Which would be a massive blow. You would think that the Rovers would want to try and keep a hold of Riley to the end of the season. However, if there's money involved that might allow Brian Reid to, to, to sign a, an adequate replacement, watch the space. But anyway, you know what, Sean? I think that's a, that's a perfect time to, to wrap up uh, this evening's show. I've had fun. What about yourself? I've had fun as well. Excellent, that's the main thing. Now, I know that Fowler uh, said I ripped him off when I say enjoy your football at the show. Apparently that's what he says. And he says I'm, I'm ripping him off when I say it's gimmick infringement. And that's something that we, we accuse, we don't want people doing that. We said that right at the start. I don't want people uh, infringing gimmicks. So I'm not going to say enjoy your football. I didn't realise that Fowler had copyrighted those three everyday words. So I'm going to finish the show with have a great time at the football, but do so with respect. That's how I'm going to start finishing every show. And, and I'm sure a lot of people will uh, ultimately respect that. So, Sean, wonderful to spend the evening with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to the listener as well. Great to hang out with you. Please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to our Patreon. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts in there. There is more... Uh, entertainment for years than the entire back catalogue on Spotify and I don't say that lightly so please uh, please put your hand in your pocket uh, and, uh, and pay for it simple as that but uh, take care and have a great time at the football but do so with respect <laughs> thank you Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.